Money Rules or Money Rules. Here at Hold My Wealth, we are all about empowering financial success in our community of listeners. We hope you find today's topic both informative and helpful. Well, welcome to the Money Rules or Money Rules podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Logan, and today you have with me is Hamish Ferguson. Hamish has been a mortgage broker and a financial planner for 21 years, and I've asked him here today to discuss first home buyers. But before we get into that, Hamish, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Steve. And uh, uh, I guess, yeah, 21 years. It's been uh, an interesting journey so far, and obviously there's been probably people out there that have been doing this longer than I have, but... um, you know, for me, thinking through things like, you know, we've done the GFC, we've done the dot-com boom, you know, we've done now COVID, which, uh, you know, was pretty significant and we've done the Royal Commission, we've done all of these things. Like it's uh, it's been a huge 20 years in terms of the change that's happened in the industry. Um, so a little bit about myself, um, you know, so I own Vision Property and Finance Newcastle. So we're one of three offices. There's one in Sydney and Orange as well. And uh, and it's a, it's a great... Um, business and group to be part of, you know, the guys that own Sydney. I've, I've known since, um, you know, I was 13 years old. So mm. it's, it's been a long uh, relationship there and it's nice working with people that you trust and that you've grown up with. Um, so married, uh, five kids uh, over the, the years. and Just uh, five. Just five. Yep. Yeah, we stopped at that point. We thought it was you know, enough. <laughs> um, so, and, uh, you know, four of those kids are adults now. So, um, you know, been through a little bit of the parenting journey and, you uh, and seem to have come out okay the other side. And, uh, and yeah, just really enjoying the business now where we've got, um, you know, a great group of people that we work with and, um, you know, some couple of good brokers, financial planners and, uh, and other professionals as well. And, and I just really enjoy being part of that environment. Yeah, and look, of course we're talking first home buyers. I, I just wanted to ask you the question. I mean, you yourself at one point was a first home buyer. Was that easy for you? Was it hard for you? How did you find it when you had to get that all together? Yeah, look, it's actually it's yeah, good question. I, I um, so we actually went through. It wasn't a broker at the time. It was called an originator, mm. and it was really a guy that worked not for one of the major banks, but he worked for a non-bank lender. Um, and and basically, so he wasn't really a broker in the sense of being able to recommend different solutions, but he did still um, advise us and guide us and help us get into the market. Mm. Uh, so uh, so yeah, that, that was in two thousand and one, and um. And obviously, property prices were a little bit different back then. Yep. Um, so, and and yeah, it, it, I'm glad he was there because it uh, it was something where we just blindly followed what his guidance was at the time. Yep. Um, I knew him through somebody at work and and trusted her, so just made sense to trust the husband as well. And and um, yeah, he got us in. And I think these days, particularly personal referrals like that, is probably the main way in which we actually. Go. I'm going to trust that 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 advisor or that professional. Mm. Uh, you know, having someone else to actually say that. So at the time, did you have kids? No kids. Single. Double income. What? Where were you? Where were you personally at at the time? Uh, two kids. Yeah. Uh, so um, and uh, they were both you know quite young at the time. We were mm. renting up at Nelson Bay. Yep. And uh, and yeah, and just um, just doing the you know move around for work and mm. try and get a few promotions under the belt before I started the business. So yeah. So, look, I think a lot of uh, people that are listening today will be able to relate to that, um, which will be good. So, look, 
let's get into the into the questions. What I wanted to do was ask you not so much what are the the questions that first home buyers ask you, but what are the questions that first home buyers should be asking you as an advisor. So we had a look at a few, and uh, in your experience, what are one or two ways that you could help a first home buyer prepare themselves uh, before approaching a property sale? So I guess the words that come to mind when I think about this is, so the first phrase I normally try and ask people in a first appointment is, are you ready? Mm. All right. So um, it's a big commitment. It's a commitment that t- um, you need to hold on to the property uh, for a significant length of time. Yes. Um, and it mentally being used to paying bills and, you know, knowing that you actually don't necessarily have the same flexibility to move around or do mm. things. Um, so all of those things are there is a – a mental preparation and being ready to make a big decision like this. You know, one of the biggest decisions you'll make in your life. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so are you ready? All right, so um, the next sort of question that I sort of try to poise to people is, um, do you have the right knowledge? Mm. All right, so um, understanding all of the jargon, you know, the, the way banks work, what is it that the banks are looking for, um, how do real estate agents work, how does a property transaction work, and the different professionals that you've got to engage in. You know, there's a lot of um, education that you need to make sure that you actually are able to see it through well. All right? Yeah, and look, I don't know about you, but when I was at school, there was no course on how to buy a first home, how to go for a loan, how to look or search for property. And it's funny because it, it really is for the average person, the largest asset they're probably ever going to own. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, we just sort of assume that it's just natural, you know, thoughts that you just you just be able to work it out for yourself yeah and i think a lot of people go in blind and and have to do that research for themselves so having an advisor to walk alongside of is actually uh, from my point of view really important and it, and it was very helpful for me when i went through that process yeah absolutely and then i think the the, the, the third there is a third one that i think is quite important which is you know um learning you know how important it is to be able to tell your story correctly to the bank mm. right so making sure that you've you've thought through what savings looks like that you've, mm. you've got your income set up properly that you know you you you've you've got a budget that you you can save consistently um, all of those things lead to success yep yep um, yeah so those three things okay look the uh, next question that we uh, that we looked at was what are your thoughts on entering into a property sale with less than 10% of the initial investment so 10% deposit it's a question that comes up all the time uh, when I when I talk to people. Uh, people are often saying, "Should I go for less? Should I go for more? Mortgage insurance, twenty percent, ten percent? You know, really low loans." Yeah, look, I think um, for me, when I think this through, it it it's looking at the alternatives, mm. all right? As much as it is saying, "I've got a low deposit." So, one of the the the, um, the downsides of buying with a low deposit is that you know you you don't have a lot of equity for that first couple of years. And so yes. you really need to, you know, watch your P's and Q's, you know, make the loan repayments, make sure you've you've done things right, accelerate through, get the equity as quickly as you can, all right? So so in those first couple of years, it's, it's almost like you're on probation, you mm-hmm. know, with the bank and the property market and everything that you really need things to come together well. Um, you so, need to get that 20% in there, even, yeah. even if you only started with a lower amount. Correct, all right? Mm-hmm. So because it's, it's just a safety margin. It's it, the more equity you've got, the more you can roll with the bumps and bruises along the way, yeah. all right. So, um, so, but the alternative is if you don't buy, 
then one of the things I quite often say to people is, are you going to be able to save quicker than property prices go up? Yes. All right. So so it's fine to wait. But if if waiting a year means that that $500,000 place has gone up to 525000 and I've only been able to save $15,000 in that time frame, mm. then the market's gotten further away from me. Mm. And in, in recent times it's it's gone even further than that, hasn't it? Correct. Um, I have actually known personally um, a few people who were trying to get to the 20% so they didn't have to pay their mortgage insurance. But in doing so, they've actually now been priced out of the market. They actually have to now save a substantial amount more uh, because, you know, housing prices have gone up so much. Mm, absolutely. And and it's 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 always one of those things, it's, it's very difficult to time the market. Mm. So people will sometimes say, hey, I might wait till prices come down, mm. right? And look, it's not that you can't do that. It's just that most people will wake up in a year or two and realise that that strategy just didn't work for them because, you know, property, you know, it's it's rare that it goes back considerably. Yeah, I always say to people, because that's a question I get asked a lot, and uh, I always say to people, uh, there will be a, a dip, you know, property rises and then and then property flattens out and then it will rise again in five or ten years' time. And there will be a dip somewhere, but you probably won't know it until you look back. And it will be in a year's time that you look back and you'll say, oh, there was the dip, you know, in July, August, September of whatever year. But until you can do that, it's, it's actually not possible to predict that dip really. Mm. Um, so am I hearing you correct in, in saying that, if you can get 20%, great. That's what the banks want. It's a good buffer. That's where you need to be. But if you can't get to the 20%, then then really um, get good advice on whether or not it's actually worth going for a, a lower interest or a lower amount for your deposit. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, one little thing to conclude on that is that, you know, it's not just about 20% or 5%, mm. right? So the more deposit you've got, the more um, the stronger your position, yep. the lower the mortgage insurance premium yes. And, yes. and the easier it is to get in. Yes. So Hamish, the third question that we uh, looked up was, what are the supporting guidelines that you can offer towards an aspirational investor for his future investment plans? So... You know, what's interesting is, you know, we all go through, well, most of us will go through these stages, you know, where we're, we're young and single and then, you know, maybe we get married or find a partner and then we have kids and 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 during all of that time, um, you know, it, you don't have to get everything done straight away, mm. all right? So, so, for example, the person that's, you know, double income, no kids, you know, they might have the capacity to buy three properties, but they might not be able to hold on to those properties when they decide to start a family. Mm. So just going and buying three properties isn't necessarily the best outcome um, unless they've really thought through those later years and how, how they're going to manage that time. So what, what I'm trying to say is that um, is that you have to pace yourself. Mm. So, you know, that bit of analogy that says, you know, buy, consolidate, um, and then get ready for the next one. And knowing that in between each one might be a, a while, it could be three or four or five years. Mm. So, but don't necessarily feel like you've got to do it all yesterday or do it really quickly, that you can space things out. And have you, you know, had someone personally that uh, has stacked up their investments in such a way with their first home and second and third that it actually, you know, that they didn't have the liquidity 
to be able to to pay the repayments when things got hard, when interest rates went up, or when circumstances changed, like like having children, and they had to sell in a in a non opportune time. Absolutely, mm. and it's actually quite common. And I don't know if it's common across the world, but it is common in Australia to find people that are asset rich and cash flow poor. Yes, um, and and the problem is in that situation is the only way to get out of it, right, is either to hold on, which can be quite uncomfortable or to sell something when you might not want to. Yes, yes. And um, uh, when it comes to professional advice, uh, if someone comes to you and, and actually can say, look, this is my income, this is where my asset classes are, this is this is what I, what I earn, um, are you able to sit down and give them a, a plan of attack you know, moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, uh, a real life example that we've been working with at the moment is a, a couple that just bought their first investment property and they started off with the goal of saying, hey, we'd really like to buy a second property within two years. Mm. So we then stepped through with them what, it, what, what they would need to do to be able to get into a position where they could buy that second property within two years. And, you know, what's been really nice about that is that the couple's actually come back and said, actually, life's more important, the stage of life we're in right now. Uh, we've now realised that two years probably isn't achievable for us because there's other things we want to do that aren't mm. just about, um, you know, accumulating wealth. Mm. And and so for them, it, it's actually helped them to, um, you know, I guess reevaluate and come up with some more um, uh, valuable goals for themselves that actually mean more to them. Yeah. So the other thing about an investment strategy is being deliberate in, you know, what you're trying to buy and being able to visualise how it's going to pan out in the long run. So thinking through, um, you know, not just capital growth but yield, what I might be able to do to improve the property, um, you know, sometimes one property can actually be better than two separate properties if you buy the right property that has the right potential. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know that um, for some people I've spoken to, you're doing things like uh, being able to put a granny flat on or being able to do an infill and, and, and putting a small home and subdividing, there's lots of ways where a professional advisor can actually help you to be able to uh, really uh, push forward on that investment. And sometimes the pressure advisor, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, you know, is, is it's more about helping you steer away from the lemons yes. than, than to find the gold. Yes. Um, so, and, you know, it requires patience. It re- requires processes and rules and, and, and discipline in, in how you do things. Yeah, and I've often said to people, look, uh, you know, going to a, a mortgage broker or a financial planner or a property advisor, um, th- there's a cost involved in that. But compared to the cost of a six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar property, um, it's it's a minute amount of money. Mm. Uh, but it's amazing how often people will try and do things themselves uh, and end up with um, larger costs later on because they didn't get the right advice, or they didn't get the right mortgage, or they didn't get the right you know. Oh, and- absolutely. And as look, you you know, you and I have discussed in the past. You know, as a mortgage broker, we're not licensed to, to advise on real estate, mm. right? So. Um, but what I do find interesting is that if somebody came to me as a financial planner and said, Hamish, I've got $200,000, help me know where to invest it. Well, they'd want to know that there's this really sound research that goes behind where they're going to put their money. Yes. Right? Yet people will continually just check out realestate.com or domain to find a property, mm-hmm. yet the property's three times the value of the, the, the shares portfolio, but they don't even think to get professional advice mm. right, to actually go down that path. Mm. Mm. Um, so, 
you know, and that sort of comes back to that education piece, isn't it? That, you know, people just need to be challenged or probably pushed a little bit to say, all right, let's talk about what the rules are here or what the process that you're following is to hopefully get the right result. Yeah, and look, you know, at, at Money Rules, Money Rules, that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to introduce people to the idea that there are rules in life uh, and I think a lot of people don't even know or are aware of what those rules are. And so therefore they're, they're playing the same game as other people uh, but because of that, they, they do find themselves, um, you know, in hard hard situations. Whereas if you just had a little bit of advice or you just understood the rules in certain ways, then that wouldn't be a problem for you. Okay. That's just really, really interesting because, you know, when I heard money rules, money rules, I initially thought to myself, oh, so you're actually trying to spruik money and you're saying money rules as in, you know, money money's king, you know, so it's yeah. not just about that. Well, look, you know, um, the title could be taken many different ways and, and it's, you know, it's been designed specifically for that. But, uh, look, I, I find that uh, if you don't put in place the, the right money rules, uh, you know, you're going to be in money troubles, aren't you? <laughs> so if you, if you want to get to a point where money rules and it's doing really well for you and, and you're, you know, you've got independence and you're financially free, then you better work out what the rules are for, for money yep. and go from there. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, look, Hamish, thank you so much for coming today. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate your time. And uh, we look forward to having you back next time. Fantastic. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. The information discussed by the Help My Wealth and the Money Rules, Money Rules podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only and is generally nature and it is not advice. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. It is aimed to provide a general understanding of each topic and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. It is strongly suggested that you seek professional advice regarding your own individual circumstances before making a financial decision. Help My Wealth and the hosts of the Money Rules and Money Rules podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. In the spirit of reconciliation, Help My Wealth and the Money Rules or Money Rules podcasts acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to past, present and emerging elders. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.